Hey everyone, I'm Brendan Hill, and this is Forward Thinking, a podcast by Metagy. Each week, I talk to inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. Have you always wanted to start your own restaurant or cafe? I know I definitely have, and I'm exploring the world of food and business today with my special guest, Mark Calabro. His mission is to get restaurants full again and bring back that social element of going out and dining. How is he going to do this? Good question. Mark founded Hungry Hungry, a platform that gives merchants the opportunity to engage directly with their customers and improve the dining experience. Hungry Hungry is now used by more than 700 food and beverage merchants throughout the US and Australia. And Mark dives into how he started this thriving business. He also touches on how to create word of mouth buzz for your business, how he generates genuine reviews, and why it's important to keep in contact with your business network and actually visit them face to face. And what makes the story of Hungry Hungry and Mark even more impressive is that Mark actually invested $2 million of his own personal money to get Hungry Hungry off the ground and to save an industry that he loves so much. And that love and passion for the food and beverage industry definitely comes out in this episode. So please enjoy this wide-ranging discussion with Mark Calabro. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. What was your first exposure to the hospitality industry? For me, it was probably like a lot of university students. It was just hanging out, uh, cafes and small eateries around campus. Right. Um, and also worked part-time in a bar as well. Right, right. And then you came up with your first idea, Automate. Yeah, Automate was, at the time, there was nothing quite like it. And it was at a time where GST was taking full effect. And right. The hospitality industry was going through out with the old cash register mm. and we need something a little bit more advanced. And because of our, uh, we did a telecoms engineering multimedia degree university with software, it was something that was born out of a bit of a, a fun uni project, sort of late nights and on weekends. <laughs> so the typical garage story, two guys working out of the garage? Yeah, it was literally in a garage in the eastern <laughs> suburbs of Melbourne. Wow. And we spent many, many, many hours and mm. countless amount of pizza boxes and <laughs> big cliche, but yeah. yeah, it was very much that. So talk us through those early days. It's just you and your co-founder. I mean, many early stage businesses are going through the same thing, working hard, not sure where this journey is going to take them. Mm. I mean, what were the first steps? Did you go out and talk to customers? I mean, you saw some trends happening with the GST. Yeah. So... For us, we felt we had something pretty special early on, mm. and that just came from getting out there and just getting in front of cafe, restaurant, and bar owners. Right. It was a real natural progression for us to just build the business brick by brick, mm. but very quickly we saw the power of sort of networking and referrals, mm. and it was largely driven by word of mouth. Okay. And word of mouth, how do you stimulate word of mouth in the hospitality industry? It's quite a small industry uh, mm. in a sense that most people know others as well. And you'll find that if you're first time in the industry and you're about to open up a bar, what your chances are that you'll go and visit some other bars in your city or other cities to get some ideas and you might even mm. speak to the staff and or the owner. So you might look at what coffee they're using, what wines they have in the bar. 
and in the same sense what technology they're also using as well and ask for that feedback. And I know you're very passionate about the hospitality industry as a whole, which brings us to your current project, Hungry Hungry. Can you give me a bit more of the background of where the hospitality industry was when you started Automate in 2003 and where we're sitting today? A lot has changed over the course of uh, roughly 16 years. There are many, many challenges facing the industry at large. The industry sector now operates at a 2% net profit um, across industry, which is, if you think about most people who would put down somewhere between $500,000 and a million to look at a 2% return on that, it's not exactly uh, the most attractive investment. Yeah. But a lot of people follow their dreams and passions, which are to open up a patisserie or to open Mm. up a cafe. So, you know, it's very emotionally driven. Mm. And understanding the true metrics of these businesses, not everyone really understands that. And more recently, there's been a whole bunch of other challenges presented one of those is we've seen with uh, the delivery platforms. Right, Uber Eats and the last mile sort of stuff. Yeah, and look, you know, by all means, they actually came into this industry to solve a, a real problem. Mm. You know, we're all short for time now and the convenience of having some food yeah. brought directly to our desk, it's great. By the same token as well, we know that mums and dads are leading busier than ever lifestyles before running between school sports with kids yeah. or work commitments, that convenience will win. Definitely. From my personal experience in Sydney, I mean, I go to King's Cross, I go to Darlinghurst, I go to my local strip, Darling Street in Balmain. Mm-hmm. Massive turnover, really high turnover. I mean, I go to a restaurant or a cafe, get to know the people, and the next month they're gone. So, I mean, what can these guys do in terms of sales and marketing, promotion? How can they not just survive, but thrive. So the reason why Hungry Hungry exists and our whole ethos is around satisfying what we know as two universal challenges that hospitality owners uh, want and need, and that is to have people come into their venue more often Mm -hmm. and to spend more money. So we look at what the average check size is or ticket size, and our platform really tries to enhance the experience of dining Mm. whilst using beautiful photos that really make what they do sing. So Mm. what I mean by that is that we've developed a a platform where you have a digital menu that looks like an Instagram feed. Mm. So you're actually fully engaged and immersed in what the offering is. Mm. So we see typically an uplift of people spending about 25% more when they order through the Hungry Hungry platform. And that also might mean through the convenience of being able to order the extra coffee or maybe the dessert they wouldn't have otherwise without having to flag down a staff member. Mm. Reminds me of the story, Airbnb in the early days, they had low quality images on all their listings. They hired a professional photographer and they got a similar uplift in bookings as well, somewhere between 25 and 50%. So do you actually go in and take the images for these companies? We do. We do. We were talking about this just this morning with someone and we did that and we unconsciously did that Mm. because we thought, we have to have just beautiful imagery on the platform. Mm. We toyed with the idea of kind of a do-it-yourself, yep. but it's kind of like when you would go to have a look at the photos of, say, a TripAdvisor for accommodation, the photos often don't put the room in the best light. So mm. food is super important to make sure that it just absolutely pops and it's also very, very consistent as well. Mm. And what are some other ways that 
businesses can get their customers to spend more money, I guess, you know, cross-sell, upsell. Mm. Is that something that you've been exploring as well? Definitely. So if you've been to the States, you'll know that staff on the floor there mm. uh, are there to upsell. Yeah. And they're great at that. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, we like to buy, but we don't necessarily like to be sold. Mm. So we've got some very subtle ways of things like we have trending. So that might look like if you go into a restaurant, you'll be greeted by a specials board. And right. these are things often really pushed by the owners or the chef at the back because mm. they're bigger ticket items or that might be a high GP item um, that they're trying to push. So we think and we've always tried to you know mimic that, would you like fries with that? <laughs> but in a very cool, clean, sophisticated way that really suits the food and beverage industry mm. in 2019. And in terms of social media, obviously Instagram is massive for the hospitality industry. What else are you doing around that area? Or can you tell us a story of certain restaurants that you've seen maybe in Sydney and Melbourne that are really utilising social media well? Yeah, I mean, Instagram has been a huge thing probably in the past 12 to 24 months where there's been the rise of social bloggers Mm. and people wanting to post even to the extent of eating for free. And it's become a little bit of a, a bugbear for a lot of people that I speak to. Right. They're where they feel like they're losing control of the messaging out there mm. to, the, to the wider public. That's one side of it. The other side of it is about people taking or customers, once they've dined, taken to social media to provide the feedback. Mm. So we see a world where the owner of the venue or the chef has a greater connect with the person who's just dined and we can actually encourage the feedback to happen more directly either during or straight after the fact. Any business operator wants to have that feedback from their customers, yeah. especially when you know they've actually dined in the venue, which is another mm. problem with some platforms where you mm. just don't know if that was someone who was just scoping out the venue who didn't actually yeah. dine there and just trying to lower you know, your mm. score. Could be a competitor, for example. It often is. Touching on reviews, obviously, as you said, really important, really important for any type of business when we have such easy access, Google, Yelp, all kinds of platforms where we can check the review, get that degree of social proof. What other ways can businesses generate these reviews and obviously concentrate on the authentic ones? Yeah. So we have a a plan in stage two of Hungry Hungry where we're going to look to build out a community around the platform. So a question that we ask ourselves is who's the most trusted authority when you want to go and find your next Pokeball. Right. So most of the public knows, and certainly industry does, that we have certain platforms where there's just very low trust. Mm. It's just sold to the masses. Um, By the same token, everyone has their own personal requirements around food, be it medical or just be it through just sport for choice. So... We see Hungry Hungry in stage two as being your own personal food concierge, but one where you actually have trusted, a trusted authority Mm. so that if I feel like waffles this afternoon, where can I get the best waffles while I'm in Sydney? And we see uh, people in the industry who work and live and breathe the industry who go in between their breaks and go and seek out to get the best waffles or the best whatever it may be. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you touch on that 
personal food concierge, how do you build in that level of personalization where someone's going to pick up the Hungry Hungry app, they're going to want to use it, it's going to be accurate mm-hmm. to their tastes and what they feel like at that moment. How do you build that level of personalization? The key part for that is that Hungry Hungry is processing the actual transactions when you're in the in or out of the venue. Right. So first and foremost, Hungry Hungry is a business toolbox for food and beverage operators. So we actually process under a, it's a white label platform. So right. a big thing for us is that we celebrate the branding and the theme and the style of that particular business on the actual platform. So as I continue to order my meals from customer, also the business, the platform is learning about my spending habits, what I like to eat, whether I'm vegan, Mm. whether it's a medical version of gluten-free or whether it's just a lifestyle choice. And that's really important as well for the venue owners because no one wants to be sued or no one wants anyone (laughs) to be going home in an ambulance. So, And it's also presented a whole bunch of other challenges around that communication between ordering food and then the guys, guys and girls at the back actually making it. Yeah. And you touched on an important point about community building that I wanted to come back to. How do you build that community for Hungry Hungry and how can early stage businesses listening, what tips would you give them? Yeah, uh, so the first thing when I think of community is I think of in a traditional sense of restaurants full again. Yeah. Okay, so that's something I'm very passionate about, the whole social element Mm. of going out and dining and um, sharing a moment with a colleague, a friend or Mm. a family. When it comes to where the trajectory is with with Hungry Hungry, so to date we service roughly 700 food and beverage merchants uh, throughout Australia and a couple in the US as well now. And um, we've had over 300,000 Australians who have used Hungry Hungry at least once to order their food. Wow. So we have plans to further build out that community. I read on your LinkedIn profile that personally investing $2 million into this current project, Hungry Hungry, So can you talk about bootstrapping your business in the early days versus getting external funding? Because obviously $2 million, it's a large upfront investment. My co-founder and I, we first of all wanted to really validate the actual product and the market fit. Mm. So it's very easy, I believe, as a startup or a business owner to make a lot of assumptions. Yeah. And we've all seen a lot of businesses raise money and burn it very, very quickly. Mm. So I think they're, and not put in a time frame on this because for some people it might be a month, for others it might be 10 years or more. But there needs to be a period of time in the earlier part where like any living, breathing organism, it just needs to grow out organically. Mm. And we were really specific about investing in the technology itself. Right. So that we had something that, when we were ready to scale it, we had a really strong foundation upon which to do that from. And an area that businesses struggle with, especially in the early stages, is building an app. So obviously you guys have built an app. It's getting traction in the marketplace. How did you build the app and you know what takeaways have you got from that whole experience? So we started off by building for web at the start. Mm. So web has caught up 
a hell of a lot over yeah. the last couple of years in terms of functionality. We decided to, for a long while, to keep it wrapped up in an app for the ease of which, and we use the word frictionless a lot yeah. in our world, no one buys or does anything if they're confused. So for us, mm. it was always about how seamless can we make the experience from a hungry customer who walks into a venue and has instant access to a digital menu with photos that really mm. sing. We have started the journey of, uh, of also the app, um, but that's part of our next frontier. And how are you going to tackle developing the app? So in the years gone by, we have had a, a number of apps that we've built for customers. And one of the things that we learned very early on is apps are very expensive <laughs> to build. Yeah. And there's a crazy statistic out there where how many of them actually fail. Yeah. So if you think about the apps that we use every day, mm. uh, I personally use my Qantas app all the time. I'm always between flights, banking, transport. These are the apps that we use every single day. Yeah. And in our world, what we also do every single day, well, most of us, and that is we eat great food. Mm. So we know for the success of Hungry Hungry, we need to come up with something that's truly unique and mm. serves a piece in the market for both merchants, so the owners of these businesses, mm. and also for their customers. Awesome. And you talked about being a frictionless product before and that seamless sort of experience. How do you get customers? Like how do you get restaurants to sign up and how do you make that a frictionless experience for their onboarding? So for us, through our years of experience in this industry, mm. we're quite fortunate to have a lot of networks. So mm. whenever I'm in any city in Australia, I always love going back to these people and just having a chat with them. I was a face-to-face -face chat as often as I can. Nice, absolutely. Yeah. Last night I caught up with a restaurant guy here in Sydney. We would catch up for half an hour. We were there for two hours, just talking about the wow. state of the industry. Wow. Then I was off to see who I just met last night, the owner of Almond Bar in Darlinghurst, mm. who have been quite vocal about how they see how sick the industry is at the moment mm. and what they would like to see happen next. So for me personally, I've always put a high value in speaking to people at the front line of the industry. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. And for people that are currently working in a job that they may not particularly like, you know, they have passions in areas like, you know, food or hospitality like yourself. I mean, you've done a great job of combining your love of food with your skills in tech, marketing and sales. How can these people who are looking to start a business in an area that they're passionate about, what steps can they take to go from step A to step B? Step A, I believe, is talk to as many people as you can first. Mm. Do not rush jumping into this industry or really any industry <laughs> in saying that. Mm. Do your homework. Mm. I've seen way too many times now where people will have a budget for a typical cafe, perhaps anywhere between four and eight hundred thousand mm. dollars, and budgets get blown. Yeah, and then you open the doors, and you're already under stress, and your numbers perhaps aren't there. Mm. So there was an old rule of thumb in this industry where you would need to have cash flow for about six months, right, to then move on from that. The other problem is that because there's not many barriers to entry. We just see mm. so many food places that are opening. And I've been yeah. saying this for many, many years, that the rate of which venues are opening can't continue <laughs> to, to rise. But yeah. sure enough, they are. Mm. But on the other side, 
people aren't cooking at home as much anymore and mm. we're eating out. Yeah. I think it's refreshing that you're mentioning a lot of face-to-face -face contact and, you know, proving the assumptions, talking to people, having those higher fidelity conversations in person. I think it's definitely something that's missing in the business world today. I believe that certain things you you can shortcut and certain mm. things you shouldn't. Mm. And one of those is designing a world around not just your assumptions, mm. but speaking to people that live and breathe the struggles of operating a business. Yeah. So for us, that it just takes time that you you can't <laughs> shortcut. No, there's one-on-one -on -one conversations. What do you do with the data when you're talking to someone? Do you collate that into a big pool? Do you then use that to prove out certain assumptions? Can you talk us through that process? Sure. The first thing that, that I do is I bring it back to the team. Mm. And the obvious might be sometimes product, but it's also the guys in marketing. It's everyone in the business. For me, it's really important that they understand what actually happens. So we create technology. Everyone's very proud of that. Everyone loves the world in which we've created in terms of, you know, we are solving problems for the industry. Yeah. But what's super critical for me anyway is that my team know exactly the conversations that I'm having out there mm. in the world. Yeah. And I believe that makes us challenge the decision-making around what's really, really important for us to incorporate you know, product roadmap, perhaps, mm. or all the way down to, you know, the guys out there that are account managers, BDMs, who are also having those, their own conversations day to day. Yeah, it's an amazing process. And what has you most excited about business right now? What has me most excited about business, specifically in the food and beverage space, is people's willingness to fight. Mm -hmm. And I see that in their eyes and I feel it when I'm having these conversations that right. they want to see a better hospitality industry. Mm. We had arguably, you know, the best years over through the 2000s where Melbourne and also Sydney were really growing up right. and it's two of the best food cities in the world. Mm. Whenever I travel abroad and you talk about Melbourne, which is my home city and perhaps a bit of a bias, <laughs> Melbourne is instantly put up there yeah. at the very top in terms of our food offering. Mm. And I think it's a very important part of society. It's mm. the largest incubator of talent in Australia. It employs, there's a huge workforce, mm. not just in the venues, but also in the supply chain mm. behind it as well. So I think it's a very, very critical industry for us to really protect and support. Yeah, for sure. It's good that you're at the front line creating solutions for that as well. And what is the most worthwhile business investment you've made? You know, it could be a course, some kind of tool or a campaign that you've done in the past. Two years ago, I joined up with EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. Right. And that for me was, so it's a membership, you get placed in a forum mm. and you're with other entrepreneurs. Right. And that was two years ago. And it is a significant investment. Yep. But it's by far outshines any other investment that I've made on myself or my business. Mm. And you're meeting all kinds of mentors and people in this group? Correct, correct. Yeah. We have a, a business coach who we've been uh, using now for 10 months. Right. And he's been instrumental also in not just the business but more in terms of your mindset and mm. 
probably on my own personal journey, identifying what my strengths are right. and really playing to those strengths. Mm. So business coaching is interesting. I mean, a lot of people might have the wrong idea about business coaching. Is this the first business coach that you guys have had? For me personally, it is. Mm. And I think I struck gold yeah. <laughs> with the coach that we have. I speak right. to a lot of people that have used business coaches and don't have great positive things to say about them. But everyone, like I was told about this particular business coach and um, and everyone that we've passed him on to just is, is quite unique. Sounds like an amazing resource, Mark. What about a cheaper sort of tool, maybe under $100 or less that you've made in the last 12 months that's had a big impact on your life? For me, I do like to meditate and I started doing transcendental meditation going back about four years ago. But mm. last year... I bought Calm. Oh, Calm.com. Yeah, the app's fantastic. Mm. And I use that, depending on how I'm feeling, I'll use that or One Giant Mind, which is another great meditation app. So what's One Giant Mind? I haven't heard of that one. It's more based on transcendental meditation, Mm. which is a particular style. Yeah. So it's a personal thing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, Calm.com is interesting as well. They have a... Similar story to Hungry Hungry. They started with the web app to prove out their assumptions first, and then they made the big investment, obviously, in the app when they started to get that degree of product market fit and scale their offering. It's a good strategy. Yeah. (laughs) And in terms of reading, Mark, are you a big reader when it comes to learning new things in business? I was, and I'm really, really disappointed to say that these days more probably, you know, since the start of the year, I am reading less. I am listening to more podcasts, which fills in the time in the morning commute. I do like to get into a book, particularly when when I'm on a holiday, Mm. and I'm kind of mixing that up between sort of business and maybe non-business type books. Any sort of books or podcasts that you can recommend? Last year, I read The Five Dysfunctions of Leadership by Patrick Lencioni, and that for me uh, resonated really strongly, and there were some really good insights in how people within an organization or a team can better function. Then podcasts, one of my favorites, uh, I love food, I love health, and is around a biohacker, Dave Asprey. Right. I often like to listen to his podcasts just so that it's, my world's not always entirely about business and I can kind of go back ever into that food, bio space, which I find very interesting. Awesome. I'll put all of Mark's resources in the show notes that you can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast. So Mark really wanted to thank you for coming in, sharing a lot of knowledge for our audience today. We do have two abstract questions that we like to finish on. So the first question is, if you could have a billboard, it could be anywhere in the world, any location, where would you put it and what would it say? A billboard anywhere in the world, I would go south of France. It's one of my favourite places to visit because of the food. And I would say, it would have to be in French. (laughs) English and French. Oh, yeah, my French is probably a little bit rusty. It would say hungry, hungry in Chinese. In and Ch- don't ask me to say that. And I say that because hungry, hungry was born out of we got a lot of takeaway Chinese food and we all look at each <laughs> other and we're like, okay, you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry, hungry. So 
Uh, and a shout out to April, who's our CFO, who always is saying she's hungry, hungry too. <laughs> so, yes, something in the south of France mm. and hungry, hungry in another language. Very interesting billboard. Mm. And the final question, Mark, are you ready for launch? Yes. So you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. What business do you start when you land on Mars and how would you promote it to the new Martians? I'm a little bit of a green thumb. In my spare time, I've got a little patch of garden where I like to grow all different types of broccoli. I love my greens. So the seeds, I would say the seeds right. would have to come with me. Yeah. And I would need to make sure someone brings some water because we don't know <laughs> how we're going to make them. But I, I'm, mm. where, there's a, where there's a will, there's a way. Mm. So I'm going to say broccoli seeds and the business would be around something with agriculture perhaps. Mm. Until such point in time that we need an app to order food. But we're going to need mm. to actually cultivate food at the onset. So that could be farm direct to table. Yeah. In Mars. Yeah. I like it. We could order with the Hungry Hungry app as well. That will be phase two, I think. (laughs) Phase two. Great answer, Mark. And once again, thanks for everything that you've contributed today. Really appreciate the time you've taken out of your busy schedule. Is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up and how can people get in touch? Thank you, first of all. And visit our website, hungryhungry.com. Our social media is also about to be launched very soon. And I hope to come back to Sydney very soon and see more people in the actual venues Mm. and cities like Sydney and Melbourne thriving again. Yeah, for sure. That's an awesome mission that you're undertaking. And you can view all of Mark's show notes and all the resources that Mark mentioned today at metagy.com forward slash podcast. Once again, Mark, it's been great. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. From Metagy, this is the Forward Thinking Podcast. I hope you got a lot of value and actionable tips from today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. If you know a business owner who needs help with their marketing, and I mean, don't we all know one of those guys, tell them to check us out. Never miss another episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more about Metagy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at metagy.com forward slash podcast. You can also view all of the resources and tools mentioned in this episode at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, why not listen to some other episodes and join the world's leading community of forward-thinking marketers. I'm Brendan Hill, your first business connection, And I'll catch you next week for another award-winning episode of the Forward Thinking Podcast.